I want to begin with a text from Isaiah this morning. It's one that I think is one of the most God-centered texts in the Bible. And what makes it so radically God-centered is that it reveals the God-centeredness of God. It shows, perhaps better than any other text, the supremacy of God in the heart of God. And it's Isaiah 48, verses 9 to 11. For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not like silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Now, the burden that I want to bring to you this morning is this. God is an important person, and he does not like being taken for granted. I'll say it again. God is an important person, and he does not like being taken for granted. Suppose you ask a man, say a president of a company, who under God is the most important person in your life? And he says, well, I guess it would be my vice president for marketing. And you say, well, what about your wife? He says, oh, of course, I just assume that. I just take that for granted. It goes without saying. Now, it may be that a few people would assume that uh, it was his abounding love and respect for his wife that caused her not to come to mind. But most of us probably would assume that the reason she didn't come to mind is because she's not uppermost in his affections. And she didn't like that. She didn't say, I am so honored that I'm like the air he breathes. He never gives me a thought. There is... In most people's minds, no direct correlation between taking something for granted and showing its value or revealing its worth or signifying it as a treasure. We can be certain she said something like, if I don't come to your mind to talk about when you're asked about your life's priorities, then it's because I'm not important to you. And if you think that I am honored by being taken for granted, then you're wrong, because I'm not. It's possible to take important things for granted, like oxygen. And if you're taken for granted in that way, you might feel indispensable, but you will not feel treasured. You will not feel respected. You will not feel honored to be taken for granted. God is a very important person. 
And he does not like being taken for granted. Now, don't feel defensive because uh, I don't have any particular beef with uh, journalists as though every one of you takes God for granted. I just happen to think that everybody in America takes God for granted. And therefore, this is probably a relevant message here. If you were a group of educators, I give the same talk. If you were a group of counselors or social workers or pastors, especially pastors, I would say this. In fact, I read a quote recently from Charles Meisner, who is a specialist in uh, relativity theory about Albert Einstein and his view of preaching 50 years ago. He died in 1955. Listen to this. This is Meisner talking. I do see the design of the universe as an essentially religious question. That is, one should have some kind of respect and awe for the whole business. It's very magnificent and shouldn't be taken for granted. In fact, I believe that is why Einstein had so little use for organized religion, although he strikes me as a basically very religious man. He must have looked at what the preachers were saying about God and felt that they were blaspheming. He had seen so much more majesty than they had ever imagined. And they were just not talking about the real thing. My guess is, continuing the quote, my guess is that he simply felt that religions he had run into did not have a proper respect for the author of the universe. Now, if that was true 50 years ago about the preaching in this country, it's 10 times as true today. God is not the subject matter of most preaching. And even when he is, those who have tasted his majesty are tempted to say, this is blasphemy. My burden today is not to isolate journalists or any other particular group, pastors or editors or anybody, but to simply declare with all my heart, God is an important person and he does not like being taken for granted. God is an important person because he created everything in the universe, including everybody and everything that we think is newsworthy and important. Behold, I myself have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and brings out weapons for its work. And I have created the destroyer to ruin God is important because everything newsworthy, inventors, weapons, calamities, are created by God. God is an important person because he upholds the universe by the word of his power and he controls the affairs of all men and all nations with a conscious purpose and plan that originates in him and no capital on the earth. 
He changes times and epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings, Daniel tells us. He does according to his will among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what are you doing? God is an important person because he knows all things. He knows every motive behind every event you report. He knows all causes and all designs and all effects and all structures and all secrets and all possibilities, real and unreal. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose in this world. God is an important person because he's the only path to eternal life and the only source of everlasting joy. Thou dost show me the path of life and in thy presence is fullness of joy and at thy right hand alone are pleasures forevermore and nowhere else can pleasures that last forever be found and that fill to the brim. God is an important person because his son stands at the center of human history and is the source and measure of all truth and beauty and goodness. And on his saving will hangs the destiny of every one of your readers and every single human being on the face of the earth. God is an important person and he does not like to be taken for granted. He does not like to be assumed. He doesn't like the image or the metaphor foundation alone because you forget foundations. They just are in the basement. And if you answer, well, he's the foundation of all we do. He doesn't care if he's forgotten. He doesn't like to be taken for granted. The psalm does not say great is the Lord and greatly to be taken for granted. It says great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Greatly to be spoken of and written of and thought of all the time because he is always the greatest and most important person in everything we do. God makes known his displeasure with being taken for granted by telling us again and again and again and again in his word that his aim from creation to consummation in every detail of his work, his aim is that he be honored and praised and glorified and loved and treasured and trusted and sung and declared and confessed and enjoyed, not forgotten, not taken for granted, not assumed, not in the basement as the unthought of foundation of all we do. He tells us no Christian should take him for granted, but everything we do, whether you eat, or drink, you do it all to the glory of God. And he chose those two, eating and drinking, because 
Those are the commas and the prepositions and the clauses of our business. There are no spaces where he does not want to be attended to. He tells us that demons and angels will not be able to take him for granted. Every tongue in heaven and under the earth will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He will not allow himself indefinitely to be taken for granted. He tells us that not one nation or people on the face of the earth will be allowed to take him for granted. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nation shall come and worship before him because dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the earth. He tells us that the Holy Spirit himself does not take God for granted. For when he comes, he comes with his infinite energy to do one thing. According to John 16, 14, he will glorify the Son of God. All the energy and all the attention of the Holy Spirit of God is devoted to seeing to it that the Son is not taken for granted, but glorified among his people. And Jesus, the Son of God, does not take God for granted because the Bible tells us that he came into the world to this very hour and bowed his head and said, Father, for this purpose I have come into the world. Glorify yourself. Most importantly, God does not take God for granted. God is central to God. God is supreme in the heart of God. For this purpose I have raised you up, he says to Pharaoh, for this purpose I have raised you up, that I might declare my name among all the world. My name. Not my assumption. My name, what comes off of people's lips about me. Nevertheless, in the Minneapolis Star Tribune, there is an entire section called sports. Can you believe it? An entire section of the newspaper called sports and not one column for God. Not one column for the maker of the universe who upholds the whole Coles media industry by the word of his power. Not one minute on prime time news. Not one hour in 12 years of public education. Not one page in Newsweek or Time. And what about evangelicals? I've been to church growth seminars where he is not once mentioned. I've been to lectures and talks on pastoral issues where he's not so much as alluded to. 
I have read strategies for every kind of recovery under the sun where he is not there. I have talked to students in seminaries who tell me of manifold practical courses where he is peripheral at best. And I have recently read mission statements of major evangelical organization where neither Christ nor God is even mentioned. And I admit very freely, I'm on a crusade and I have one message. God is an important person, and he does not like being taken for granted. It flies in the face of his eternal purposes to be known and loved and praised and enjoyed. And when we take him for granted, it makes us superficial people. Superficial pastors, superficial journalists, superficial educators, no matter how esteemed in the guild we are, no matter how many names or letters are after our name, no matter how many books may be written by us or about us, when the last word is spoken, we will be superficial. Because the definition of superficiality is when you deal with something and leave out of account its most important connections. That which gives it meaning, that which gives it significance. If you deal with it in the little cocoon of godlessness, it is superficial. No matter what prize it may win. God doesn't like to be taken for granted. I went to visit a school. We're trying to figure out where to send my 13-year-old to school now. I went to visit a school not long ago, and it's a Christian school. And I asked in a moment of quiet with two faculty in this a room, what is the ultimate goal of your education? And I thought I had tipped my hand with the word ultimate. I don't know what you have to say, but their answer, they smiled as though, oh, great, this is what they've been waiting for. And they said, our goal in this institution is to train the minds of young people so that they will think critically and become fully human. They wondered why I kind of didn't respond more energetically and had a little question on their face. And I said, well, I just thought maybe. The mission statement of a Christian school would be different than an atheistic school. <laughs> I did say that. And they, they were shocked. I said, well, I just thought you'd say something like to glorify God and enjoy him forever or something like that. And they said, oh, oh, we assume that. I did not say God doesn't like to be assumed. I thought it. I didn't say it. I say it to you, and you're getting the overflow of that emotion. If someone says, Piper, it's just religion. What do you want to do? Turn every magazine into a religion journal? What do you want from the Minneapolis Tribune? It's just religion. You're talking about religion. To which my response is, it's not religion, it's reality. He's God. 
He made you. He holds all your molecules together moment by moment by the word of his power. He runs the world. He determines all things. Everything gets its meaning and its significance from him. It's not religion. It's reality. Everything without exception has to do with God. Not secondarily, but mainly, mainly. And not to show this is to be superficial and to fly in the face of God's purposes to be honored and loved and trusted and treasured. Let me close with a, a personal exhortation. When a man forgets to mention his wife when asked about the priorities of his life and what's most important under God, there's a defect in his love. There's a defect in his love. And when a Christian is asked about the priority of his life or when a Christian can spend hour after hour talking or writing about things and not have God come to mind and not include God as a defect in that person's love. And the healing for that defect and the opposite of taking God for granted is hour by hour reveling in God. Hour by hour savoring of God. Hour by hour delighting in God and trusting God and treasuring God and standing in awe of God hour by hour. That's the healing that a lot of us desperately need. And we need it again and again and again. Because this world is so much with us and is so massively God-ignoring and God-neglecting and God-despising that we simply absorb it and take His absence for granted. Does it grieve you when you watch television? And He isn't there! He just isn't there. I mean, maybe you're grieved if somebody says, Jesus Christ. But are you grieved when they don't say anything? He's just gone. If it doesn't, it just shows how much you've absorbed. You can read the newspaper and page after page after page of the newspaper and he's not there. Are you stunned? Does it boggle your mind? It's like, it's like a little grain of sand in the palm of God's hand. And they never even talk about Him. One discovery that I have made that has made all the difference for me is this. The reason God 
does not like being taken for granted is not only that it robs him of glory, but that it robs me of joy. One of the greatest discoveries I have ever made is that these two goals, God's goal to be glorified and my goal to be satisfied are not at odds. That's the gospel to me. The gospel is the good news that the goal of a holy God to be glorified and the goal of a sinful creature to be satisfied are not at odds, but in fact, come to simultaneous consummation in one experience called worship. And God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him. And what that has meant with regard to this main message, namely that God is an important person and does not like to be taken for granted, is that now I hear that not as a threat. I can imagine hearing that as a threat. God does not like being taken for granted. You could hear it as a threat. But once you get a hold of this discovery that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him, then that statement is no longer a threat, but is rather a declaration of the triumph of the sovereign purpose of God to be glorified in the world by satisfying his people in him. And so my exhortation to you is find your satisfaction in God, not in your career and not in your family and not in your health and not in your fame and not in your accomplishments. Find your heart's satisfaction in God and then he will find his way out all the time, you will not take him for granted because he will be the treasure and the pleasure of your life moment by moment. And he will be glorified.